John chapter 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I come from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because, of his, because his hour had not yet come. Then he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself, since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come? And he said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father had taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who, believed, who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham, and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I come from, came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. 
He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Let's pray for the message and for the nation this morning. And Father, I just thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you that your word is truth, Lord. That it is a foundation that we can stand on, Lord. And I pray for your anointing on Jackie this morning on the message, Lord. I pray that we would have ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to understand, Lord. I pray that we would be doers of your word and not hearers only, Lord. I pray, Lord, for this nation this week, especially with the upcoming election, Lord. I just pray that there would be God-fearing men and women elected this week, Lord, that they would seek you and seek your will, Lord. I pray, Lord, that for those elected that are in rebellion against you, Lord, I pray hard hearts would be softened, Lord, that there would be repentance, Lord, that there would be seeking of you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for those, for the chaos, Lord, that uh, may happen, Lord. I just pray that you would be a calm of that storm, Lord. I just pray for this nation this week, Lord, for we only have one king, and that's Jesus, Lord. We only have one savior, and that's Jesus. We only, Jesus is everything that we need, Lord. And so I just ask your blessing on this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. discourses, seven miracles, seven I am statements that the book is built around. So we're in the middle of the sixth dis discourse. These are discourse, public discourses. Later on, we'll see private ones, but his public discourses, ministry to the public. And did I do what? It's on. It's on now. Would I leave it on? Oh, Lord, have mercy on my soul. Okay, so hopefully you guys heard all that, because I'm not going to repeat it. <laughs> so anyways, we find ourselves in the middle of the sixth discourse. Jesus talking in the court of the treasury, the court of the women, uh, to the masses, whoever would gather, that he was the light of the world. And the discourse that takes place as a result of that. So that's where we find ourselves this morning. Um, as we prepare to dive into it, I want to remind you, I disappear? Woo! Anyways, I want to remind you that uh, Levi and Amanda are in Ridgecrest uh, today or somewhere between Ridgecrest in here. Uh, they took their first batch of stuff as they're moving down there to do ministry. Uh, Levi was invited to pastor a church in Ridgecrest, California, so that's where he's going. So uh, next Sunday will actually be their last Sunday. 
So next Sunday after church, we're going to hang around to tell them all goodbye. So if you would like to be a part of that with us, we want to invite you to do that. So um, we'll, we'll gather. I don't know what we'll have. Maybe pick up some something, cakes or something. I don't know. I don't know if we'll eat or we won't eat. But next Sunday, last Sunday for Levi and Amanda, and we want to have a going away party. If you want to get them a card or write them something or tell them how much you're going to miss them. Next Sunday will be the time for you to do that. So we want to extend that opportunity to you all. So as we look at this section, sixth discourse, Jesus is the light of the world. He begins in verse 30, where we are this morning, speaking to those who believed in him. And remember last time we ended at verse 30, verse 30 says, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Remember he said, if the son of man is lifted up, you'll believe that I am, ego I me, I am eternal God. He's, he's making in chapter eight, the, some of the strongest declaration of his divinity that he's going to make in the whole gospel of John. So as he's building on this, the scripture says in verse 30 that many of them believed what he was saying. And Jesus immediately moves into uh, the understanding of what it is to be a disciple of him. What does that look like? Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. So you really can't see anything. You can't comprehend the darkness of your world. You don't know what's going on around you unless you are seeing it through me. And now he's saying for those who said, well, we believe. We believe in you. Now he's saying here is what it means to believe in me. This is what it is. There's no delineation between a believer and a disciple. A believer is a disciple, is a follower of Jesus Christ. They're going to follow him. So Jesus said in verse 31, uh, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So here is Jesus saying, look, you guys who are saying you believe, that you believe I am the light of the world, that I am the answer, that ultimately we'll see in a moment that he's pointing to not only the fact that he's God, but that he's the king, that he is the promised one who was to come. That's what the title, the son of God meant. The son of God meant you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the one and true ruler of all the world. And so he's saying now, as we develop that idea, I want you to know what does it mean to be a believer? Well, first off, you believe what he said, right? You believe the things he said. Jesus had, had just said, if, if you raise me up, then you will believe that I am. And scripture says, well, and they believed, many believed the things that he was saying. And then Jesus said to them, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples. So not only do you believe what he said about himself, but you abide in his word. The Bible tells in John 1, 1 through 3, right? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. In the beginning of creation, when God created, what did he begin? He said words, right? What did he say? Let there be light. And what happened? Light was so the word of God, the, the word of God is Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us in Colossians that everything, in fact, John tells us, everything that was made, he made. 
right? Because he is the expression of the Father. The Father speaks, the Son does, yes? The Son is accomplishing these things. And so we have him. He says in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And that word keep, not only, not only does it speak of obedience, but it speaks of treasuring or valuing. Do you value the things that Jesus said? When he's telling the people, you will abide in my word, part of that is you're going to value the things I've said. The unfortunate mark of our day and many churches today is finding reasons to ignore the things that Jesus said to ignore the things that he did. But that's not what he told us. In the Great Commission, when he sends us out and says, I want you to make what? Disciples, right? He's describing them here. I want you to make disciples of every nation, baptizing, he talks about, right? Baptizing them in the name, singular, of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them the things that I commanded you. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep, you'll treasure, you'll value. Of course, if you treasure and value the things that Jesus said, you will also walk in obedience to them, right? You want to obey him. Uh, verse 23 of John 14, Jesus answered and said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. He will keep my word. He will treasure, value, obey. He will treasure, value, and obey the things that Jesus said, right? He said, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home in him. Now, if you remember, in John chapter 6, verse 45, Jesus said that the way that the Father draws, the Bible says no man comes to, the fa uh, comes to Jesus except the Father draw him, and then Jesus will raise him up in the last day. In verse 45, he describes it. How does the Father draw them? He draws him through the word. He says, it's written in the prophets and you will be taught by God and everyone who hears and is taught by God will come to the Son. So as we value and treasure the word of God, then when the Son speaks, what happens? We want to respond, right? Because we recognize that the Son is what he proclaimed himself to be in John chapter 1, the word of God made flesh. Right? Right? And so he's saying this abiding in, in him, John 15, 7. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So the idea, abiding in Christ, to abide in Christ, what does that mean? We're abiding in his word. We can't be apart from, separated from the word of God. We want that. That's, that's a disciple, that's a believer in Jesus Christ. John 15, 10, he said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So Jesus, his performance much greater than ours, is able to say, I only said the things the Father gave me to say. I've only done the things the Father gave me to do. But in that action, we see that he kept the Father's word, that the Father's word mattered. Right? That he desired, he wanted to, he valued, he treasured, he obeyed. And the same way, Jesus says, if you are my disciples, you will value, treasure, obey my word. That there's a, a world full of people who say, I believe in God, but could give a rip about the word. And there's no valuing, there's no treasuring, and there's no obeying. 
Now, I'm not suggesting that somehow we all became perfect and we're going to perfectly obey everything the word says. But if you value and treasure the word, you want to obey the word, right? And when we fail, the Bible tells us First 1 John 1, 1.9 what to do. What do we do if we fail? We confess our sins and what? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? Because the blood of Jesus Christ washes away my imperfection. The broken body of Jesus Christ heals my brokenness. And so we, we come to him for this. This is what a disciple looks like. A disciple looks like someone who treasures the word of God, who treasures the words that Jesus spoke, who want to walk in his ways. What did Jesus say to every one of his disciples? Hey, you, come follow me. Come follow me. We're going to see in our text today as they're arguing about who knows whose father, right? And what father are you acting like? The point that Jesus is making is because he loves the father, he acts like the father, he looks like the father, right? All these things are true. His disciples will be the same. They'll have that heart because that's who they're following, right? That's who they Value, treasure, obey. That's what the idea of keep has within it. Hebrews 1 uh, is probably one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 says this. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Right? That's the scripture. Old Testament scripture is given to us by the prophets. But in these last days, the writer of Hebrews defines our time. What days are we living in? The last days. That's what they're called. Right? That's what they're called. From the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ, you entered into a time frame the Bible calls the last days. Doesn't matter how long it is, that's that time frame. You are in the last days. He has in these last days spoken to us how? By his son. You remember at the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus is there and he's transfigured before the disciples, Peter, James, and John, you know, that those were Jesus' problem child, right? You understand they weren't the most holy. You don't bring the most holy to the Mount of Transfiguration. That's not what happens. You look around and you go, who do I have to take out of this group of 12 to ensure when I come back there will still be 12? If you have 12 children, you understand how that is. If you have five children, you understand how that is. You realize, you know, if I take these two out, there will be nothing broken in the house, right? So Jesus takes Peter, James, and John to the Mount of Transfiguration. He's transfigured before them, right? They get to see his glory, the glory that he had with the Father before the worlds began. They get to see a little glimpse of it. He shines brighter than the sun, and they all begin to chatter. Peter begins to talk. You remember what the Lord said? Peter, shh. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Deuteronomy 18, through Moses, the Lord told Moses, you tell the people one day there's a prophet coming, and if they won't listen to him, they won't be saved. Speaking of Messiah, Mashiach, Jesus Christ. And so Jesus describing this disciple, now listen to what he says, you'll abide in my word, right? You're going to abide in my word. You're going to believe I am who I said I am. And you will know what? The truth and what happens? The truth will set you free. 
The truth will set you free. Now, this is a, a freedom that, that most people may think they already have. I'm already free. And so did these guys. These guys thought, well, we're already free. What are you talking about? In fact, in verse 33, they say, we are offspring of Abraham. We have never been enslaved by anyone. Now, that, that's hyperbole, right? I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Because they've been enslaved by many people, right? We have 400 years of enslavement to Egypt. We have enslavement to Assyria. We have enslavement to Babylon. And right now as Jesus is talking to them, they are enslaved to Rome. So yes, you have been enslaved. But here's what you need to know about the Jewish people. They never accepted any of that slavery. So the Jews, the reason why Romans, if you were a Roman and you were in trouble, they sent you to Judea. Why? Because it was a drag to be there. Why? Because the Jews didn't believe they were slaves. So that Rome was always clashing with the Jews. Always clashing, always rebellion. What happened in the, in the enslavement uh, or the exile of Babylon? How many times did Babylon have to come back and reconquer them? Yeah, three times. Three, they had to finally abolish the city, destroy everything, knock every stone down before, and even then they wouldn't obey. So this is the attitude of the Jew. So when Jesus said, hey, you will know the truth. If you're my disciple and you abide in my word, you're going to know the truth and the truth will make you free. They're saying, we're already free. What are you talking about? What do you mean that, 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 uh, that you can make us free? We're the offspring of Abraham. We're not enslaved. So how is it that you say you can become free? So Jesus tells them, right? Look at what he says. Truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is what? A slave to sin. Everyone who practices sin, right? Everyone who has been ensnared, the the writer of Hebrews would say it like this, that there is a sin that so easily ensnares you. Do you have one of those? And if you have one of those or a handful of those, you understand what it is to be a slave of sin because that desire wants to rule over you, right? And that phrase that the, that the scripture uses, Paul uses in Romans chapter six, that sin's desire is to rule over you is the same phrase, similar phrase to what he used to Cain and Abel. Remember when Cain and Abel, the Lord comes to Cain and says, Cain, sin's desire is to rule over you. You remember what the Lord said next? But you should rule over it. God, before Cain ever slew his brother, told Cain, I know what you're thinking and you should not do that. Right? You should not respond in this way. So Jesus saying, look, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So what is he promising to set us free from? Sin. He's promising to set people free from their sin. If you are my disciple, if you abide in my word, Jesus is saying, I will set you free from your sin. This is what he's describing. Paul describes it in Romans chapter 6. If you look in Romans chapter 6 with me, it says this, in verse, beginning in verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Either of sin which leads to death, 
or obedience that leads to righteousness. Isn't that what Jesus is talking about? If you abide in my word, what did we say that was? To, to treasure, value, obey. If you abide in my word, he's saying you'll, you'll be set free. Present yourself. This is what Jesus is saying. Present yourself to me to obey me. And I will set you free from sin. Present yourselves to me. Obey me. Verse 17 of Romans 6. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. What is he talking about? He's talking about committing your heart, submitting yourself under the, the standard of God's word. Committing yourself under the standard of God's word to say God's word is now true and everything else is a lie. So if God's word says this is whatever it is, this is bad, this is wrong, this is sinful, then if I find myself in that, I will confess that I'm a sinner and ask for the Lord's forgiveness. He is the standard by which Christians, disciples, are called to live. Now that does not mean that tomorrow, because I say, yes, Jesus is my king and I will only follow him, that I will reach sinless perfection. It does mean that I have a standard to walk by, right? And when I fail by that standard, he gives me covering. That's what Jude 24 and 25 is all about. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the Lord God Almighty with great joy. The only God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's talking about the fact that Jesus, his great joy to take us as broken, messed up people wallowing in our sin, to cover us in his blood, to encourage us to walk and follow him. And as we do that, that is our life. When we see him, he's going to have great joy to run us before the Father and present us blameless. Not because you became blameless, but because he's blameless. He will cover me. He sets me free. I'm not a slave to sin anymore. I'm a slave to Jesus Christ. He is my king and he is my master. And he will present me before the Father perfect. So I want to follow him. I want to follow his standard. These are the things that the Lord is laying out. Now in verse 35, listen to what he says. In verse 35 of John 8, he says, The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. And if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now here's what we understand. This is what we want to understand. And we had a discussion about this in our, in our Bible study on Hebrews, that, that, uh, the men's study that meets here. We were talking about Hebrews um, chapter 3, <clears throat> verses 1 through 6. But there's this parallel concept that runs in Scripture between a son as a relationship between father and son and the idea of son as the authority. We talk about this idea that the title, there is a title in scripture, the son of God, which does not mean the little born one of God. It doesn't mean the child that was born from God and now he has a son. The son of God is a title of authority. Psalm 2 
is an enthronement psalm. And in Psalm 2, the, the psalmist describes the, the Lord's reign, right? Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves. The rulers take counsel against Yahweh, the Lord, and his Messiah, Mashiach, his anointed one. They say, let us burn the part, their, their bonds, cast away their cords. But he who sits in heaven laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. He will speak to them in his wrath, terrify them in his fury. As for me, I have set my king on Zion, the holy hill. I tell you the decree. The Lord, Yahweh, said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Was there ever a day where Jesus was begotten? Is there a day he didn't exist? No, there's no day. He's eternal. What is he talking about? He's talking about the enthronement, the authority. What did John chapter 5 say about Jesus, the son of God, the king of kings, the ruler of rulers, the Lord of lords? What, what did the father say? All judgment has been given to who? To the son. All judgment has been given to the son. He's the judge. He's the judge that all mankind will stand before. Who's the king? We're waiting for Jesus to come and take his throne. Who's the king? Jesus Christ is the king. Because God the Father decreed it so. God the Father decreed. Just like an earthly father who was king, who had authority like God the Father, would say to his son at some point during his reign, he would point to his son who had no authority. He's a prince. Nobody's listening to him, what he says. But they would have an enthronement when the father would pass to the son authority. You are the king. Now the father, who was also king, may live on, but the son became, he sat the throne. Now what is it that, that God does for us? You've read the book of Revelation, right? Most of us? You ought to read it. It seems like you're living in it. So every once in a while, you ought to take a look at it. There's something in the book of Revelation when we, the church, is together with Jesus in heaven. He says that he's going to give the disciples thrones. Doesn't he? And the disciples, he's going to commit to the disciples judgment, right? They're going to judge over the nations. The Bible talks about the church judging angels at some point, right? There is a, an authority that is passed from the father to the son to the believer. Now, it's not the same. Don't go thinking that you're going to be the father. You're not. Nor will you be the son. The only authority you have was what? Given to you by whom? Yeah, that's right. That authority has been passed. So when scripture declares that Jesus has been given authority, then he is the son. Now here's what would happen. When the father king would appoint his son as, as heir, 
right? He would say, you're, you're my heir. It's time for you to begin. That's why you have overlaps in the book of Kings and Chronicles where one, it said one, one part will say the king ruled this long and another part will say he ruled that long because there's, there's questions about when did they have that enthronement where he said to the son, okay, you're king now, you go. I'm, I'm going to retire. I'm going to go up to my palace over here and take it easy and you, you try to run all these people, right? So, so we have this, this thing taking place. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, when that's going on, when those things are happening, when, when the, the heir is declared, at that moment, the son is able to make a proclamation to the nation that all the slaves are free. And whomever the son sets free because he's been given authority is what? Does it begin to kind of make sense a little bit in your mind? Some of the the cultural background to what's to what's being talked about, to what's being said. So Jesus is telling them, "Look, man, I'm I am God's son. I'm obeying Him. I am fulfilling His purpose. He has anointed me. That's what Messiah means. Anointed one. Anointed for what? King. Today." You are my son. Today I have begotten you. I have established you. You are the king. You are to take rulership. You are to take ownership. In Galatians chapter 4, Paul talks about this. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 1, listen to what he says. He says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different than the slave. So, right, if you're a child of the king, who cares? I know, I know, in our, in our culture, you know, the little prince runs around and we have little comments about the little princes occasionally. Um, wasn't that way. In the ancient Near East, it wasn't that way. You're a child. A child had no, no rights, no bearing, no authority. This is what Paul's writing. The heir, as long as he's a child, is no different than the slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until a date set by the Father. In the same way, we also, we were children enslaved. What are we enslaved to? Here he says, enslaved to the elementary, uh, elementary principles of the world. But the same, it's, it carries the same idea, the elementary spirits. We're, we're slaves into, to sin. But when the fullness of time had come, what happened? God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons who also have, will have, some measure of authority, right? Jesus tells a story. If you were faithful to me in little things, then I will give you greater things. You were faithful to me with one mina, I'm going to give you two. Or you're faithful to me with your talents, you're going to get more talents, right? The idea of authority being passed from the one who has ultimate authority to his children. How do they become his children? By adoption, right? They become his children by adoption. And because you are sons, God has sent his spirit into his son, into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. 
So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So I want you to understand the concept of son is not, in Scripture is not always the idea of little born one. It is that and more. Does that make sense? It is the idea of, of child or son and familial relationships, but it's also more than that. In Galatians 5, 1, it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do, do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does. The son does. The slave doesn't. The son could set the slave free. And by adoption, then we also can receive <clears throat> that authority that God proffers to us through his son. So if the son sets you free, then you will be free indeed. He says, Jesus goes on, I know that you are offspring of Abraham. That means you are genetically from him, right? He's talking genetics. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. They won't abide. The Bible said in chapter 6 of John, verse 45, they won't hear the Father's voice through the message of the prophets. They won't hear Jesus. So Jesus is saying, you're not, you don't have my father, you don't have me. You, you have nothing. You're, you're claiming genetically to be from Abraham, right? You are, are Abraham's offspring, yet you seek to kill me. Abraham didn't do that. Now think about it, and we're going we're gonna to develop the idea of Abraham more as we go along in chapter 8, not this week, but he's going to develop the idea of Abraham. What did Abraham do when he saw God? You know he saw God, right? The Bible tells in John chapter 1, nobody has seen God. It's the only God in the bosom of the Father that reveals him to us. So when man sees God, who does man see? Jesus. Jesus is God's representation. I don't even know if that's a good word. Jesus is God's, um, <coughs> he's, the, he's God who we see. Okay, I'll do, I'll do that. Maybe I won't step on anything that way. Jesus is God who is seen and related to by men. And so Abraham saw God. Do you know that? It says when, when the angels were going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, you remember the story? The Lord and two angels came. What did Abraham do? Did he try to kill him? No, he, he sacrificed a, a lamb. He gave them a meal, right? He had the conversation. You guys remember the conversation? Lord, will you kill them if there's, if there's 20 righteous, you know, or 50 righteous, 40, 30, 10? He, go, he comes down. Finally stopping at 10, right? Will you destroy the city if there's 10 righteous? The Lord saw Abraham and he rejoiced over his day. Jesus is going to talk about that. He's going to say, Abraham saw me and rejoiced. You guys who say you're Abraham's kid don't act like him. Jesus can say that because he's eternal God. He's standing before them and he's saying to them, look, you, you say you're from Abraham, but, but you don't lie, act like Abraham. You don't receive my word. Verse 38, I speak <clears throat> of what I have seen with my father and you do what you have heard from yours. <laughs> now, Jesus is getting going now. You know, he's going to tell them something they don't want to hear. They're saying their father's Abraham. Jesus is going to say your father's the devil. 
Jesus is going to say, you claim Abraham is your father, but you don't act like Abraham. I'm saying you act like the devil, who's a liar and a murderer and was so from the beginning. So he's laying out, look, genetically, yeah, you're Jewish. Abraham, that's the beginning, right? The beginning of the Jewish line. Abraham, who was a Gentile, called out by God, given the promises of the nation of Israel springing forth from him. They answered in verse 39 and said, Abraham is our father. Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. Did Abraham receive the Lord when he came? He did. He did. He received him. The Bible says when, when the Lord came to Abraham and said, Abraham, go to a land that I will show you. What did, what's the Bible say? The Bible says Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him as righteousness. Abraham believed God. Jesus said if you were of Abraham, you would. So they are genetically from Abraham, but they're not spiritual seed, right? The spiritual seed are those who follow like Abraham in faith, right? They come in Faith. They receive that which Christ is delivering. So if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. <clears throat> but right now, you guys just had a meeting to kill me. Yeah? We know that's what they're about. Now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Then he says, this is not what Abraham did. I, want, I don't want you to miss the fact that Jesus is talking from a personal relationship with Abraham, not some idea of Abraham. He knew Abraham. He spoke to Abraham. He sat with Abraham, and he's saying to them, you don't act like him. You don't act like him. Take this back to how we began today. What is a true disciple of Jesus Christ? There's this idea that, that truth and, and our actions should be the same, right? Jesus would say in, in the Gospel of Matthew, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things that I say? Why do you say, look, is there, is there truth behind our proclamation that we are followers of Jesus? That's the whole point of, of checking our hearts, right? Where am I at really? God, am I submitted to you? Lord, do I want to obey you? And, and that, that it is a day-by-day, moment-by-moment relationship with the king that is that which honors Christ. That is what, that which elevates him, that lifts him up. And if we lift him up, he declared, I will draw all men to myself. We, we lift him up, that he's elevated in our lives. He's elevated in our world, that we're lifting him up. We want to honor him. <clears throat> our deeds ought to look like the one we're following. We have a saying, right, that when we talk about fathers and their children, we say the apple doesn't fall far from a tree, right? When, when I look at my sons and I go, oh, yeah, I do that. It's never good things, unfortunately. Uh, not, not very often. Usually, like if I look at my son Joseph, who, uh, who has autism, and I watch him have a temper tantrum, I think, yeah, that's me. I don't, now, 
I may, now that I'm older, I have a little more control over myself, right? I can stop myself and, and not. Uh, but sometimes, if we're honest, don't you? You just want to throw yourself on the ground and kick and scream? Man, if I, I can't tell you how many times I, I, I'm, I, I'm just looking around like, oh, I got I to go get somewhere. And I go try to find a room that I can close the door in and shut all the windows and close all the curtains. And nobody can see. And then I can have my fit. Joe just doesn't do that. Joe just does it in open with everybody. I look at my other sons, and I, I look at my son. I've watched my son, J.C., who has, who has three children, my three grandchildren. I've watched J.C. fathering them and heard my words come out of his mouth and regretted it. Like, yeah, I said that to you when you was a kid. Man, I wish I hadn't done that. Yeah? Stop crying or I'll... Uh, don't act like you ain't never said it. Uh, all I know is that actually does no good at all. Just so you know. Stop crying or I'll give you a reason to cry. Just so you know, you gave them a reason to cry. That's why they're crying. Oh, my goodness. So I want, I want there to be enough of who... I serve as God and King coming through my life that people know, right? You must follow Jesus. I want them to know that. Not, not because we have some predisposed idea of what Jesus wore or what his hair looked like, or, or, but that we are like him. We, we follow his word. We, we love the people we're supposed to love. We hate the things we're supposed to hate. We look like him. We look like Jesus. That's a test of our, our, am I really following him? Is this really what this is about? This is what Jesus is saying about Abraham to these guys who remember when it started, when we started today, it said Jesus was speaking to those who had believed in him. That was our first verse. Many of the people believed the things that Jesus said, so Jesus began speaking to them. If you believe, you're going to abide in my word. You're going to follow me. You're going to be a real disciple. And then <clears throat> the religious people started saying, hey, we're, we're already free. What are you talking about? And Jesus said, no, no, you're slaves to sin, but I can set you free from that. For who the Son sets free is, is free indeed. And then they say, oh, no, Abraham's our father. And Jesus said, you don't act like Abraham. In a minute, he's going to say, you act like the devil. Who do we act like? Who do we act like as we are walking through this world? Hebrews 4, 2 says, for the good news came to us just as to them. So when it says that, for the good news came to us, believers, just as to them, unbelievers, but the message they heard did not benefit them. Why? Because it was not united by faith with those who listened. The message has to be united by faith, our trust in him, our knee bowed, our, our giving, surrendering to Christ. He is king of kings. Verse 41, yet you are doing the works your father did, Jesus said. So before Jesus can finish his thought, they interject. Well, we are not born of sexual immorality. What do you think that's a dig to? I don't think they're making some kind of religious statement here. 
I think they're saying, at least we know who our dad is. That's what I think they're telling Jesus. I think people knew. I don't, I don't believe they were ignorant of the stories that surrounded Christ. <laughs> he says, we are not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. If, then, God is your father, it ought to look like Jesus, right? What did Jesus say? I always say the things the father gives me to say. I do the things the father gives me to do. So if the, God is my father, that should be what I look like, right? What, if God is my father, am I considering murder in the back rooms? Uh, that's a different person, isn't it? Do those two things match up? Do the words and deeds match that they're saying? Jesus said to them, he doesn't even answer their question. He doesn't go there. He says, if God were your, were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord. He sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? He's going to answer that question. Why do you not understand what I say? Listen, it is because you cannot bear to hear my word. He didn't say because you are incapable of hearing my word. He says you cannot bear to hear my word. Because man in his rebellion will turn a deaf ear to God's word. Is that everywhere in the Old Testament? You remember Isaiah, right? Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up his train, filled the temple. Isaiah says to the Lord, oh, I'm an unclean man. My lips are unclean. The people I, I, I live with, they're unclean. The Lord, he has an angel take a coal from the altar, touch his lips. The Lord says, your sins are purged from you. And then the Lord says, who will go for us? Who will go be a word to the people? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And then God says, go to a people who don't listen They'll hear, but they won't listen. They'll see, but they won't understand. That is a, I, I, that is a, a judgment on a people who is in rebellion to God. Did God still reach out? Did he still bring the word? Did he still have prophets that would deliver the word? For sure, the prophets delivered the word. What did the people do? They continued in their rebellion. Is that because they were not able to respond. The Bible says that man is able to respond. Faith comes by hearing and hearing how? By the word of God. Was the word of God shared with them? Yes. Then, then faith, the seed of faith is implanted in God's word. And if you will respond to God's word, you will be able to respond to more light. However, if you rebel against God's word, then it all sounds like foolishness to those who are perishing it's the power of God to we who are being saved you bow the knee that's the power of God that's all the Lord moving working Jesus said if God were your father you would love me but you don't understand because you cannot bear to hear my word you won't listen you won't respond. Verse 44, you are of your father, the devil. Your will is to do your father's desire. Is that, is that what you see? Is it hard to judge that? <laughs> Here's what the word of God says about the Lord. Here's what the word of God says about the devil. Who do these guys look like? Who are they acting like? They're acting like the devil. It's what the Lord declares. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning. 
What, what did he murder first? Adam and Eve's innocence. Adam and Eve's trust. And ultimately, Adam and Eve. Hath God truly said? Oh, you will not surely die. Well, what happened to him? They died. He's a liar and a murderer. And that's what these religious people were acting like. Listen, he does not stand in the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you won't believe me. You are of your father, the devil. So you will not listen to my words. You won't hear, you won't submit. You've already surrendered. You serve a master. You serve a master. You have bowed the knee. So you will refuse. Jesus asked them in verse 46, so which one of you will convict me of sin? Was there any sin they could convict him of? No. No. What, what did they say? What did they say? He said he was the king of the Jews. That's what they're going to put on his cross, right? Yeshua Hanatzaret Melech Yehudim. I think that's how it goes. Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. You, you know what that first letter of each of those words spells, right? Yahweh. So up on the cross, when the Jewish leaders look at it, they say, don't say it. I'd say he said he was. Up on the cross, you have a title nailed above the cross, Y-H-V-H. He died because he came to die to make a way for those who will bow the knee who will be his disciples, who will respond to the word, who will receive the word that he has delivered. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. <clears throat> these in the crowd, I just want you to understand, these in the crowd, they're not saved that day. People in the scripture, when we read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those, those people, I don't believe those people enter into salvation and as the church when it says they believed, I think that happens 50 days later. 50 days later, Jesus dies, he's buried, he rises again, he goes to his disciples, he tells them to stay, remain here in the city until you have been endowed with power, right? Until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter goes out and he preaches a message, right? And all those people who were prepared, who had heard the words Jesus said, who had responded in those words, they were ready. They were ready to hear the word in power. We think when Jesus came and he said, these works you've seen me do and greater you will do, you, we think he's talking about all his miracles. I don't think that's what he's talking about. I think he's talking about transforming lives. Jesus took 12. Uh, 120 if we say all the disciples in the upper room. Peter's first sermon there was how many? Do you remember? 
in the first two sermons, you have 8,000 people added to the church. Greater works than these you will do. Why? Because you have received the Spirit, because the Spirit will go forward with the Word, convicting what? Men of sin. And as men are convicted by sin and hear the Word, they can rebel or respond. And if you rebel, you're of your father, the devil. And if you respond, the Lord brings life. Right? Isn't that what salvation is all about? These are the groundwork. This is the groundwork that Jesus Christ is laying here for them. He wants them to understand. He wants us to recognize. He wants us to know. Now, he's going to continue this discussion moving forward with Abraham, pointing to his relationship with Abraham, that he knew Abraham, right? They're going to say, you're not 50 years old. How do you know Abraham? And he's going to say, well, before Abraham was, I am eternal God. But we'll save that statement for next week. All right? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, God, your word laid out before us. God, I do pray, Lord, now as always, that your word would go forward as Isaiah 55 declares that it would accomplish the purpose for which it's sent. That my word, my own confusing statements, the things rattle around in my brain and come out. Whatever would hinder, Lord, wash all that away, Lord. Let us hold fast to your word, hold fast to what you declare, Lord Jesus, that men and, and women would come to surrender to who you are, Lord, that they would allow the word of God to accomplish the purpose for which it's been sent. God could have done this a hundred ways, but he said, I'm going to do it through the message preached. Paul said, such foolishness, through the foolishness of the preached message. This is what God's going to do. He, he could have done anything else. But that's, that's not what he did. He sent forward his word. He sent out his word. He declares his word. And men who hear, who will hear that word, value that word, treasure that word, keep that word, they will respond when he says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest they will respond when he says my sheep hear my voice and they will come when I call and they they will act like him follow the example of he who has gone before us Follow the example of, of Christ Jesus in, in, in every way, treasuring, valuing, obeying that which he has delivered to us. Following that revealed word, receiving through that word, that seed of faith that the Holy Spirit will draw upon to bring about salvation. God, I pray that you would move in this place. 
unite the hearing of your word with faith and bring about salvation in this place, Lord. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.